0: It's time for Series 3 of Shooting the Breeze. As we continue our focus on women's basketball, we'll be talking to more of the amazing players in the WNBL, the coaches that inspire them, those people behind the scenes that do so much for the sport, as well as so many more from across the Australian women's basketball landscape and beyond. It's the 42nd WNBL season, the longest-running women's professional league in the country, and this year... 2022, Sydney will stage the FIBA Women's World Cup, featuring the 12 best women's teams on the planet, playing right here on our turf. There's so much to come in this season, subscribe, like and review our podcast so we can get more Hoops content to you. We want to welcome on board the Island Pacific Soap Company as our first commercial partner. They make high-quality, all-natural, handcrafted bath soap. Check them out online, and a big shout-out to Paul for all the support.
1: I reckon the first thing is I just love meeting new people. And, And you see these girls come in at the start of the activations, and they're all shy and quiet. And by the end of it, they're smiling, they're red faced because they've run around and they've had so much fun. And I think that's the most rewarding part of this job.
0: It was great catching up with Rachel Herrick and Karen Kaz from Basketball New South Wales to get into the big goals that the I Am a Girl Legacy program is shooting for. It's bold and we're here for it. Kaz gives us an on the ground view into building the Come and Try program that's had her travelling across the state. And Rach covers the leadership program to promote different roles across the game and keep participants engaged with the sport. With the upcoming FIBA Women's World Cup and our eyes on the future of women's hoops, it's time to seize the day and deeply connect girls and women within basketball. Welcome to Shooting the Breeze. Joining my co-host Jacinta Govind and myself, it's Rachel Herrick from Basketball New South Wales, her inclusion officer, and Karen Kaz-Irwin from Basketball New South Wales, their I Am A Girl coordinator. Guys, welcome to the show. It's great to see you both again.
1: Thanks for having us. Thank you. Very excited. Very excited.
0: First of all, even though we've spoken about it before, I'd like to just get an overview from you guys about the I Am A Girl program and what it's all about and what you guys are trying to achieve with it. Yeah,
1: that's cool. Do you want me to go with that one, Rach? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so um, the Come and Tries are a uh, part of the New South Wales Legacy Program. Um, And our aim is to, over three years, to get 10,000 girls to participate and, and basically just to have fun and become a fan of basketball. Once we do that, um, then we help the associations to interact with them to get them to come back into the, the stadiums, whether that's by another activation or a bit of three on three, or, or we just don't want to put them straight into competitions. And some associations don't have the space at the moment. So then we just work with them to um, keep these girls engaged and, and want to come back, and so we can grow the sport of basketball in female.
2: And I noticed that you've been targeting a lot of uh, country regions as well, Kaz. Has that been intentional?
1: Uh, yeah, we're all over New South Wales. So um, I'm lucky enough now I have five DOs that are development officers underneath me. so um, And they're out in the region. So um, I work with them and, and I book them in. And then they, if obviously I can't get to the place um, and they're somewhere close by, they can help me out by attending them and getting them done.
0: What's the reaction been like out in the country regions to the program? Um,
1: it's, it's been great. I'm a big believer whether it's you get 10 girls, uh, 5 girls, whether it's 30 or 101 girls, you can always have fun and you can always teach them the skills of basketball and show them how good the sport is. In the country region, we had a few. Cross Harbour was a big one and Port Macquarie was a massive one. Tamworth just had a second one. They had over 50 girls there. So in the bigger regional areas, it's, it's really good. Um, it's just those little ones that we want to keep going to and just to build up, you know, the participation in female basketball. And what's your
2: capacity like to keep going back to some of those smaller, uh, probably more isolated areas? Like how often do you plan to go and see them?
1: Uh, well, we're trying to get around to every association just once, but then helping them with a second or third activation to follow up. Some, some of the little ones that have been really keen, we have gone back. Um and done a second and a, and a, actually a third activation. I worked with Lauren, um, who was our do, and she did the first one at Inverell. I went back there at Christmas time and um, I did a follow up with them. so it was awesome and it was good just to see the girls and they all had their shirts back on and you know their pink shirts and they had a ball. so that sort of thing is I think it's really positive, and it's
3: really fun for the girls. And I think the great thing that part of the legacy program is it's enabling us to do is. Go out and meet these associations and regions one to one and provide them the experience of this. But equally, we're wanting to show them how and they can do it, um, and in hope that they can pick it up and continue to run with these programs. I think the reality is, is there's only one of CAS and one of the DOs and things like that. But if, as part of the program, it's educating coaches and um, associations on how they can continue, and you know, all these uh, showing the uh, these areas that there's interest that these girls do want to play basketball and be involved in basketball. So it's then introducing them and um, hoping that they can then build some capacity to put some programs in place and um, sustainable programs rather than just one-and-done interactions.
2: Yes, yeah, so I was going to say, uh, based on what you were saying, Rachel, and you hit the buzzwords for me, that it sounds like not only are you taking basketball out to different places to show that basketball is an option for girls as a sport... Not just the traditional kind of, you know, netball or whatever else other options are out there and making it more accessible. But it is also about capacity building those clubs to keep supporting the program in the long term.
3: Yeah, definitely, and I think, um, you know, as, as part of the World Cup and the legacy, that's what legacy means. It's not just a one-and-done sort of interaction. It's building or capacity to be able to sustain programs, and I know they're big buzzwords and whatnot, but, you know, that's what we're trying to do. We're not trying to do one-and-done to tick a box. These are meaningful experiences and interactions, so, you know, whether it's CAS or the DOs or whoever it is, it's, you know, meeting the... the the association's on the ground, it's coaches, it's giving them templates and it's giving them resources that they wouldn't be able to do otherwise. It's the advertising for them, it's the promotion and it's it's linking them to the World Cup to also, as Kaz said before, to become fans of the game. You know, whether or not they may or may not have you know watched women's basketball before, but the ultimate aim is to obviously build up, you know, the experience that will be the World Cup coming up this year now. And hopefully that these girls that are coming to the activations and the come and try days, you know, they may come down to Sydney and check out a game ultimately in the World Cup and, you know, for Olympics and World Cups to come.
2: It's
3: an investment. You're planning a
2: seed. Absolutely it is. is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping hoping that it will grow because I mean, yeah. you plant more seeds and you're going to yield more product, I guess, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And Kaz hit the nail on the head. You yeah, know, We've set a pretty lofty goal of 10,000 new participants over the three-year program, so um, the legacy program running between uh, 21, 22 and 23. So it's the year before, during and after the World Cup. So we've got a long way to go, but it's been a cracking start so far given the adversity. That <laughs> I, <think so. laughs> I hate, I'm not going to use the word, but no. Um, you know, the great news is that there's a lot of interest there, and um, there's a real appetite for kids just to play, be active, and play sport at the moment. So it's a great opportunity for them to come along and perhaps try a new sport and just be involved in basketball.
0: Does the legacy programs have an interaction with schools, you know, across the state, regardless of whether they're private, public,
3: Yeah, Paul, we do. So currently at the moment, basketball is in the top three sports chosen under sporting schools that does liaise with primary schools and secondary schools, um, so that being mostly year seven and eight. So... We know there is a demand there. Outside of that though, we do know that there is a lot of intra-school competition between the private schools, Catholic schools and things like that. So we know there is definitely scope to expand and it's definitely a potential opportunity to work with the different groups and the different schools under this program in the three-year window for
0: sure. And I understand that the World Local Organising Committee are also trying to connect with schools. Is that like touching in on the the legacy program or is it kind of a bit separate
3: yeah look i think ultimately we are trying to all work together we're all trying to achieve the same goal at the end of the day and that is to offer girls and boys um kids of new south wales the opportunity to play basketball to try basketball and be fans of basketball um so rather than having you know seven different entry points it absolutely is the goal to work together to be able to extend our reach of course the legacy program you know in conjunction with the New South Wales government, is giving us this opportunity to build these programs and increase involvement. I guess ultimately give opportunities to participants that wouldn't ordinarily walk into a basketball stadium. So whether that be an entry point through um, a come and try activation, through a schools program, through a program run by a council even, different you know youth groups and um, communities, it's definitely the aim to reach non-traditional participants of basketball.
2: Just for the listeners' sake, Rach, like it's listed on the Basketball Wales website and stuff that you've got a number of legacy programs. And we've interviewed people, including uh, Liz Mills, who's a a friend of the podcast. She's an ambassador for the I Am A Girl program. We've also had a chat to Jackie Dover before she's recently headed off to the NBA to pursue her dreams in New York. We know that Jackie was associated with the Indigenous branch of their legacy programs, but I also noticed that you have partnered with Savannah Pride as well. Is that part of the legacy programs too?
3: Yeah, it is. So there mm-hmm. is overall, so there's two branches that sit under the overall legacy program with the World Cup and the New South Wales Government and FIBA. So one of them is the I Am A Girl program that is working essentially with women and girls. And then the other side is um, working with Indigenous communities under um, Indigenous Basketball Australia and also we have partnered with Savannah Pride. So there is um, two streams that are currently in motion at the moment. So Casna obviously heavily involved in the women and girls side, but, yes, there is connection to giving same, similar opportunities both in Indigenous and culturally and linguistically diverse programs as well.
2: And because just for our listeners' sake, I think the Indigenous Legacy Programs is perhaps a little bit more self-explanatory and maybe a little bit more well-known compared to Savannah Pride. So just for the listeners, just give us an overview
3: of Savannah Pride. Yeah, so Savannah Pride Program is an existing um, program that is providing basketball opportunities for the um, South Sudanese community. So they have a program that runs uh, out in Western Sydney. And uh, they also have um, smaller programs that run up in Coffs Harbour and also uh, down in Wagga. So they are an entity that's already running at the moment. So they play in competitions out in um, Western Sydney, but they also have educational programs as well. So um, off-court educational programs that provide, you know, a variety of topics um, to that community where they may not get opportunities um, otherwise. With regards to the Legacy Program and working with Savannah Pride and also um, the Indigenous communities too. So a lot of that is more activation-based, you know, come and try things, um, holiday camps, three-on-three tournaments as well. And also uh, we have our Daughters and Dads Program that sits across both streams. That is run through the University of Newcastle that will kick off uh, in Term 2 this year. Basically, that program we're tailoring with the Savannah Pride community as well to make that more central to their community, to make it adaptable to, you know, the different cultural needs as well. Cool. Yeah, I
2: was. we were going to ask as well about the daughter and dad part of the program too. So I'm glad that you touched on that. But did you mention before that, you know, I Am A Girl still targets girls and women, you know, suggesting quite a vast age group to for the come and tries because Kaz I think I'm pretty sure I recently saw uh and I was very late to the news that you did a come and try at Niagara Park which is home of the Central Coast Waves, for young women and young
1: adults is that right? Yeah it was a six-week program that we did and um we aimed it at 18 to 22 year olds at Niagara Park just to cater for like the girls who have finished from 18s and don't play youth league or, you know, just have given up on basketball altogether. And it was just for an hour. Um, It was more about just exercising, moving the body, you know, having some fun and um, just turning up and being active. Yeah, what was the response like? Because
2: typically programs like uh, an introductory program like this or like an activation program isn't typically targeted at a young adult or adult population group. So
1: what was the response yeah. like at Niagara over the six weeks? Yeah, it was okay. I, in total, we had it was eight girls. Some of them couldn't come every week because of work. So it, it was a Friday night because we had to fit in with the stadiums of availability. So um, But it was good just to get those girls there. Out of the eight that went, um, none of them are playing anymore. Um, they've all played rep from under 12s all the way through. It was good just to get them back in and, and doing something for, with basketball.
2: Yeah, it's really bridging the gap because, as we all know, they're definitely from under 16s onward, you see quite a decline in participation in girls and women's basketball. So, it's pretty cool you could bridge that gap um, and provide something that isn't necessarily representative.
0: And you know yeah. how,
2: how many other things come from sport, you know, socialization and exercise, like you said. So, yeah, there's a lot of other important things to come from that. But I also want to know what some of your most memorable moments have been so far touring the state the
1: state meeting, i've done a bit and, of travel <laughs> i know and meeting and meeting
2: thousands and thousands of future <laughs> beck allens and kayla george's yeah. and alana yeah. smith
1: i reckon the first thing is i just love meeting new people and, and you see these girls come in at the start of the activations and they're all shy and quiet and by the end of it, they're smiling, they're red-faced because they've run around and they've had so much fun. And I think that's the most rewarding part of this job. And, and again, like um, different situations, we've had a, where well, we had it terrible the other day. We had 101 girls and it was like, it was hectic. It was crazy. We had one girl that come in and she was, she was shy. She was intimidated by the, the noise and everything. Um, had a hood over her face the whole time. So I just said to my young coaches, I said, look, our goal is to get her to smile just once today and hopefully she'll stay because she was ready to go. And um this young girl, she stayed, she took the hood off, she had the best time, she came up and thanked all the young coaches that were at her basket. So I think seeing things like that is is pretty rewarding. Like I should have wrote a book because you know they all have their funny moments and they all say funny things and and um, (laughs) yeah I I should write them down because there's been a thousand of them.
0: (laughs) Got a question about the program? Is it just players, or do you also cover off other roles within the sport? So coaching, refing score stats
1: yeah so at the moment for the come and tries it's just for players but i try with the associations that i go to i try and get um ask them if they have young coaches that have just started out and get them to come along and see how i run things because i reckon the more coaches on the court the better and hopefully they can learn about you know having that like intensity but in a fun way and you know how to get the best out of the girls by making it fun so, um I do open it up for any young coaches or older coaches. They could be parent coaches that do a domestic team that um, just may want to come in and, and see and learn. So yeah, I definitely open it up to um coaches.
2: Yeah, because we've had quite a, I think in the last week on Twitter between our shoe and the breeze handle and a couple of the friends of the podcast online, we've had some pretty interesting discussions about getting female coaches uh, not just coaching. More female teams at any level, but also you know the idea that female coaches can also coach boys and men's as well, like it's the same game, and it should be kind of celebrated across both you know realms of the sport uh, but yeah, I think a I am a girl kind of coaching uh introductory program would be
3: a really cool idea as well, absolutely, and there are loads and loads and loads of ideas that we certainly yeah, have. Yeah, yeah. Um, rewinding back to 2020 when um, the World Cup got announced and in hand-in-hand in hand with um, then the legacy programs. So we kind of had to pick maybe three things that we really wanted to look at when previously spoken with Martha. So we have also got we've got the Come and Tries, which is a major part of the legacy program. Part of it is a leadership scholarship program too. So that's currently running at the moment, which will um, finish up towards the middle of the year. Um, Currently, there was uh, 240 participants in this year's um, intake. So, I guess that side of the program does look at referees, coaches, administrators, um, score table statisticians, as well as players. Due to COVID, a lot of it has been uh, delivered online. There is still the aim that we will get everyone together and meet face to face. But Part of that program. It's while it's not a coaching program directly, it's more of a a program to bring women and girls together because we've got women and girls of all ages from 15 upwards 16 upwards um, involved in all facets of the game so it's more of an empowerment program to bring everyone together foster a really supportive encouraging environment which the last piece of the program is that they have a community project where they go and then do something in their communities and then become ambassadors you know of the game in their own associations and communities in their own you know realm of the game be it coaching officiating so if we have got some young coaches or some young young officials involved in the program then one of their community projects might be to run a short course um, for you know women in or girls in their association or it might be to you know Kaz help me out there's like there's there's 10 community projects so whilst it's not a um, yeah coaching or official program we would love to do that too Um, And that might be, you know, something for 12 to 18 months' time or after the World Cup, but um, for the moment we're really focusing across all these programs of really diving deep into the community and the grassroots and to where these where we might find either existing participants of the game in any realm but also we want to find new people because they're the next generation of who's going to come through be it players coaches and referees administrators managers and statisticians too because they're all part of the game you're
1: all part um, of the game
3: but yeah that's that's the aim of the program we could have picked every anything and everything but um yeah. we wanted to pick some things and do them really well
0: when you talk to people that are participating in the program about the world cup how excited are they about it do they know when it is and what it's all about
1: no i'll go first the scholarship people like they all know about it because we've pushed it and and um they're very excited right now but for an example i had my little rep training last night and um i'm like what's what's on tonight girls and they're like Valentine's Day pizza night, like they gave me all different ideas of what was on, and like when I said the opals, and I know I've got brand new girls, like they're like, "What's an opal?" and I was just like, "Oh, so um, I don't think it is. I don't think it's out there that what's going on at the moment."
3: And I think Paul and um, Squint to speak to this. I think what basketball in general does really well is we advertise and promote to our people, but people that are outside our community and existing community. They don't know what they don't know. So I think it's um, part of this too is um, learning and understanding how people engage with the sport and also how can we find people outside of our community and get them involved. We just assume that people are on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, all of these Snapchat, all of these social media it's platforms. Great. But if we're looking at, you know, the youth, or the people that we're wanting to find to get involved, well, they're not following the WNBL, Basketball Australia, Basketball New South Wales, all of these channels. Um, so it's really challenging the thinking of not only us in our organisation, in our programs of what we do, but it's also how else can we, you know, reach these people to come spread and the word. Yeah, spread the word, come and try and be a part of basketball. Yeah,
2: because it's easy to go, you know, go into work and you always know just enough about NRL or AFL yeah. or something else, just enough to get you by in social conversations like at work or something because yeah. it's saturated, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then you go you, in the same workplace, you can maybe speak about the boomers and the opals uh, when the Olympics are on. Like I noticed this yeah. Olympics and the boomers were doing so well and, you know, first time getting a medal, all that kind of stuff. And people would say to me at work, oh, yeah, did you watch the boomers? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I did, yeah. yeah, yeah, I know the boomers.
0: Yeah. yeah. You know, there's obviously this complete disconnect between the Opals and the wider community. It's just like at the Olympics last year, you know, after the boomers got a bronze, the number of people that I was talking to who said to me, oh, aren't you excited because Australia's finally won a medal in basketball? And I'm like. No, we've got lots of medals in basketball. We've got lots of Olympic medals in basketball. There's a real disconnect there that surprises me. And also, it's almost like there's this target that goes with the program of you've got to get people to understand the history of the game, the teams, and how successful the Opals have been.
3: Yeah, the great thing is, as part of the overall, not necessarily this legacy program, but the World Cup, is that there is an Opal like legacy program, and it is looking into the history of, you know, the Opals and providing that connection through to grassroots players. Because we do acknowledge that there is, you know, quite a disconnect, and that is evident when, you know, you speak to eleven and twelve year olds of the game that may be on social media, they just don't know, they don't even know necessarily what the WNBL is, or they don't watch it so a part of this is you know creating fans of the game not just participants too but fans of the game to watch women's basketball in general at any level really I think that's
2: a really good distinction Rach like you're saying not just a player but a fan like yeah I mean it's great that kids play at regardless what level they achieve through their basketball um you know if they go to things like tap camps if they get into a state team and obviously they enjoy it if they're investing that much time into it. But then to turn around and be a fan and be able to go, oh, you know, Bendigo and Perth are playing, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to sit down and watch that. I'm going to have my girls come over. I'm going to go watch my local NBL1 team play. Like that's really being a fan, right?
3: Um, yeah. And it's even taking it a level back further than that. I mean, what is it, ABA? It's been called many different things, but yeah. how awesome now that it's NBL1. So it's even mm. that these girls that are in our some of our programs, that when they come to our programs, we can then be like, hey, did you go watch your NBL 1 team? I mean, there's some great talent. I mean, who wouldn't be running out now to go watch yeah. Lauren Jackson play <laughs> at their local basketball stadium, which is huge? But it's not just even about watching LJ play. It's now watching that, you know, these are girls that are, you know, women and girls that are playing on their court each week, you know, and it's then about... It's also giving associations tools and awareness that they should be using these players and coaches and officials and statisticians to then give back to their community too. I think it's really easy to look at, you know, what's BA doing, what's BNSW doing, what's FIBA doing, but it's what tools can we give associations to be able to make the people in their associations heroes and champions of change, to be able to, you know, give back and it's not about giving hours back but it's you know there are so many incredible women and girls already involved in our game so yes part of this overall program is to introduce new participants to the game to play and be fans but how can we support and empower the existing awesome people that we already have in our game to stand up a little taller and be heard and actually be awesome at what they already do. Because you've been a player, you know, you've done some coaching too, you know, Kaz is the same. And it's just like, how do we find more gems and awesome people to want to be involved in the game? And I think New South Wales, traditionally, we don't have a huge alumni program that want to come back and be involved in the game. So that's what we want to kind of make a great environment and great community of people that want to be involved because at times it's, you know, really hard to find people that just want to be involved. So how can we make it cool again, if you like?
2: Yeah, it, that's to me, I mean, a lot of times in other episodes, you know, when we've talked to people like Sarah Graham and Vili and, and similar to yourselves, um, kind of come back to that club land question of how do we get people to stick around? Because between the four of us and Kaz knew more than any one of the four of us. so engrossed and integrated into the club and you dedicated a lot of your time and energy and passion into club land and it's hard out there it's yeah and it's it's hard like you in some aspects you gotta and this is just me observing uh you gotta make it not not me living it you gotta make it a lot of your life sometimes um but for me as an observer It just looks like there was a really hard to have a balance between regular life and basketball life and the lines were blurred between the two. And I don't think that's a sustainable thing if we want to keep really good people like your CASAs around a long time in our clubs. But And then going back to what you said, Rach, about making sure kids just go watch their local NBL1 teams or their youth league women's teams. We used to do that all the time when we were still called (laughs) CBA or ABA, Central Coast Cavaliers, (laughs) Represents. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. We go, it, was, Absolutely. it was accessible <laughs> I was just going to say it's, it's just You're... like a, a point of accessibility and representation you know there's so much talk about having minorities and stuff represented in the media in film, in TV etc which is excellent but you can still go back to those times where we were kids and we would go and watch Central Coast Cavaliers and be like wow that's that's a pathway for me, that's in my backyard Uh, you know, admiring the local players and then go back to training and aspire to be something like that. When young girls and young women see that, that's, you know, it kind of fosters that seed that you've planted with your activation programs.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why there's very two um, distinct opportunities that we do have as part of this program is fostering new people but also what can we do with our existing. And I think it's just, you know, part of it too is, you know, as we said, for our awesome people like Kaz that, are, you know, we're so fortunate that she's on um, on our team now. But it's how can we encourage people to share the load too? Because that's why we do lose a lot of awesome people is because yeah. there's, you know, there's a lot of burnout. There's a lot of, you know, poor experiences they have not been heard. Um, So how can we give them education and resources? You know, how can we encourage people to step forward and be like, What can you, rather than, oh, I can't do it because I can't commit to 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Well, what can you commit to? Great, because we want to have you on board. So how can we, you know, pass on that to, you know, association land to make, you know, that that is okay, that we want people to be involved in whatever capacity and accepting that that's okay to have them on board too. But, you know, Squin, absolutely. I was only talking to a friend the other day. We'd be at basketball at Hill Stadium. I'd turn up at 5 o'clock. I'd ref about six games and play two games. And then my poor dad would turn up at eight o'clock to pick me up. I'm like, not ready yet. And I'd be there till 10.30 until the lights get turned off. And I think it's just like not saying that's what kids have to be like these days, but it's like, that was just the best memories that I have of, you know, being involved in basketball and it's, you know, we've known each other since we were 12 years old Um, We met at TAP, we met at TAP Camp. (laughs) (laughs) camp, That
2: was the time
3: of our lives, we met at TAP Camp. We sure did. And so I think it's just like, rather than making basketball a place where, you know, Paul, and going back to when we're talking about, you know, where basketball fits for everyone in the school system and rep system and everything else, like, kids are just being pulled in so many different directions at the moment. So it makes sense that, you know, we are across all different parts and silos of what kids are doing. Because at the end of the day, these are young kids that are involved in the game. And when they get burnt out, and it's just too much, that's when they walk away. So it's like, how can we make it easier, easier for parents, easier for kids. And that's just in in that standalone part of their basketball journey. But there's just so many wonderful things about our game. And we're just in a really fortunate position that we can offer this program across three years to really just show everyone in New South Wales how great
0: basketball is. It's really interesting you say that because one of the other things that I'm kind of really surprised about is that you know you guys are out there you're doing all of this how much support do the clubs actually give you because I know some clubs are really 110 percent behind some of this stuff and there are others that you know kind of I guess would be looking at it going, Well, why are you guys coming and sort of trying to I don't know, get in our lane?
3: Yeah, look, a massive part of this is, you know, we're not even driving this bus. This is like the FIBA Women's World Cup and we're really fortunate that this event is in New South Wales and New South Wales only. So we're the beneficiaries of the legacy program that we don't have to share at this point in time with everyone else. So Part of our jobs and the greater jobs of everyone in our team is to get everyone on board the bus. We're, we're not there to step on anyone's toes. We're there for the greater good of the game. And those that want to do their own thing, that's absolutely fine too. But those that do want, want I didn't say help, but want to be a part of yeah. the extension of the World Cup, because that's basically what it is. This is you know, what we've been tasked to do and how awesome that we get to do this. So part of it is giving resources and, you know, CAS does such a great job of, you know, working with each individual association and tailoring the programs to what they need. So some need a little bit more help than others and it might be the resources and things like that to actually, you know, deliver the program. Or some might just say, we're good. We just want to run it ourselves. Can we just have some of the merch? And that's okay too. So... Part of it is, you know, what do people want? Where can we help? If they don't want help, no problem. We'll just keep going and the bus will keep going to September 2022 at Olympic Park when the World Cup tips off. <laughs> does so, that
0: answer look, your question, Paul? It, it does. Now, I've got one last question and I'm sure Jacinta may have one last question as well, but I'm going to jump in and throw my question in and it's completely off the script. Love I'm, it. Yeah. <laughs> we tend to ask these sorts of questions. Who is the the movie character that you guys most relate to? That you think is closest to you as an individual? I'll we'll start with you, Rach.
3: I reckon Kaz is ready. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I would like to say on this alone, it's probably Blake Lively, but that's probably not true. But
0: uh... no, 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 not the actor. A character. A I character. Mean, yeah, character. Oh
3: gosh! <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, like, the internet wasn't frozen. You were literally just lost of words.
1: I did something like, um, "What's that one that is just flat out all the time? Like it just goes, <laughs> it goes. like goes. <laughs> like, it and it chases the bunny or, or the red the Road Runner?"
2: Roadrunner is uh, Roadrunner runs away oh, the from coyote.
1: the coyote. The coyote. I just feel sometimes I'm just like that because I'm just going. Can <laughs>
3: <Yeah, laughs> so you be the Roadrunner? I absolutely agree that you're Roadrunner or Wonder Woman. Because <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> is there a character that's loud and crazy and, you know, just has fun, I don't know, like some character? That would be me, whatever that character is.
2: <laughs> I'm sure there is
1: one. Good
2: vibes only. Character out there.
1: What about you, Rach?
3: I just my brain doesn't even think.
1: You should be all over these characters now. Having a baby, you should be like on this.
3: Emma Wiggle baby. Hey,
2: Emma Wiggle is not a bad thing. She is an exceptional humour.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh, I mean, sometimes I wish we were recording the video to go with this.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I just don't even know. Like, I'm, I'm going to be Tin Man because I tell you what, the amount of like the adversity we face and the amount of no's, no, 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 no. that's what my job fighting off. No, no, no. You know oh, what's going
2: well, to happen, I'm using
3: your curveballs, but I wasn't ready for. <laughs> used to ask him, You're gonna,
2: Rach. Right, You're gonna go back and tell Izzy about this question, and within half an hour, you'll have so many answers and be like, yeah. "Why? Why did I have this answer before?"
3: You're not wrong. <laughs> no, I think I'm. I am very much in mum mode. This is my first week back at work. So I am very much, <laughs> I would say I'm Emma Wiggle at the moment. I feel like Emma Wiggle's coach because I sing songs all day. That's what I think I am right now. But I'm really fortunate that I'm able to do both things now. And I'm so excited to get have my teeth back into this and really just get stuck into the program, leading into the World Cup. So we've got such a good stretch coming ahead of us.
2: I think my last question would be, Uh, Aside from both being obviously fans of the game of basketball, what is the one thing that you have taken from your experiences with basketball as coaches and players and community that sticks with you the most, like something that's really significant that you've either learnt through basketball or basketball provides you?
3: Kaz, I'll let you go first this time. (laughs) Yeah, I reckon
1: um, basketball is more than just a game and I think it's the friendships, it's the... The people that you meet, it's um, be able to make someone smile, or you know, someone trains hard all year, and even if it's just one time in a game, they get it, and you can see that they're proud that they've got what you've been working on. I think that's that's one of the big things for me.
3: Yeah, I'm very similar to Kaz, and that I'm definitely wasn't copying your answer. But um, <laughs> <laughs> look, I was really I, no, I was I. Um, started quite late to basketball, so I was thirteen, so I was in high school and a friend just asked me to play basketball. so I was really tall, I was so uncoordinated, I was just not a basketballer, and I probably still am not a basketballer, but that's okay. <laughs> but I'm really fortunate for what it's given me and yes, the on-court career and you know travel and you know around the state and around the world and all these different experiences, but for me it's definitely the people and I'm really fortunate and Squin, you know, we, we touched on that, we met at camp when I was thirteen years old, twelve years old, but I wasn't I'm not a country kid, I'm a metro kid. And the fact that, you know, I even had some of the girls at my place on the weekend, you know, these are the country kids. And I am the only metro gal in that group. And they're some of like my closest friends still today. So um, I think I'm so fortunate that basketball's given me friends it's the experiences it's the memories and now a job which is awesome and I'm pretty lucky that this is my job now that I get to you know give these opportunities to the young me and you know make it accessible make it fun and make it you know inclusive and whatever you know we want it to be so that's the best part of basketball for me
2: Bloody brilliant. See, this is why I asked the question. I was going to ask another question but I thought I'll ask something that's going to end the episode on something uplifting and inspirational and hopefully get some of our listeners with the warm and fuzzies, which we sometimes like to do. So that was perfection.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And do you know what I will say is that to the kids of today, you don't have to be the best player, the best whatever on the court as long as you're a good person and you accept your role as a role player there is always a spot on the team for you if you're a good team person and you're happy to wave the towel and just make your minutes count then there is a role in a state team a WNBL team a junior national team there is always a spot in the team for you
2: in the team of life as well, they're all very transferable skills and, and characteristics to take with you through any aspect of life, which I also appreciated what basketball has provided for me as well. But, yeah, awesome. Love it. Bottle it up and sell Absolutely. it the World Cup.
0: Definitely. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. It's been great. It's really good catching up with you guys again. Anytime. And I'd like to try and check in just before the World Cup to see how things have progressed as well with you guys in the program. Again, thanks so much for joining Jacinta and me on the show. Really looking forward to talking to you again soon.
1: Thanks for having us. It's been fun.
3: No problem.
0: Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.